Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to this edition of the PhD Podcast. My name is Mitch. I'll be taking you throughout the evening, taking you from all the way from Indiana down to probably Washington, up to Erie, even a little bit here and there. Uh, We're going to be talking hockey this entire, hopefully an hour. I have very big guests coming on today. We have, of course, the head coach of the Thomas Jefferson Jaguars, Mr. Bill Krause. That was a uh, interview I was supposed to have on last week's podcast. Unfortunately, I decided to go away for a weekend and Weather didn't exactly agree with me getting back when I wanted to, so I decided to push it off a week, and I'm gratefully so. It's uh, been a rough couple weeks here at for the PhD podcast, and we're moving right back into the groove of things. We've got some interesting topics to cover today, but uh, we also have a very, very good interview with uh head coach of the North Allegheny Tigers, Mr. Michael Bagnato. He's going to come on at the end of our episode here. And I'm going to be joined in a little bit by Mr. Gary Heeman. He is, of course, our men's beat writer for the Robert Morris men's team. He will take care of us and explain what exactly happened against Mercyhurst and how that game yesterday, which would have been Saturday, really affects the team, of course, falling out of the rankings thanks to the Mercyhurst Lakers uh, taking two in Mercyhurst, and then, of course, the game on Saturday night, the Colonials able to bounce back and take that single game. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, I want to open up this one talking about the Robert Morris women's squad because they're not going to get a lot of coverage during this. Uh, it was a, I won't say it was an easy weekend, but it was an interesting weekend for the, the ladies. Uh, I've been a little bit more critical of them in the last couple weeks, and I want to be sure to uh, explain on that and that they have definitely exceeded my expectations whenever I was there on on Saturday for that game against RIT. Um, RIT is currently in the conference. Let me get that stat up. They they came into the series 1-6. and six. Of course, uh, the Bottom four teams in that divi- in this division have had a hard time with the COVID uh, restrictions and being shut down a lot. So each team has only played eight games or fewer throughout the series. So throughout the weekends uh, leading into this one, and now you know some have caught up. But um, this team, this Robert Morris team, has built a little bit of a an identity and it's what I act I, I brought up in the stacking the pads podcast and I said it a couple weeks ago they were missing an identity they didn't know who they were and I, I think I don't know you know my words are nothing I'm just a, a guy recording a podcast I've covered them six years I've covered high school seven years Robin Moore's men seven years you know it's been a while of me covering a lot of stuff and I I shouldn't mean much to anything. I'm just a guy with a camera, but uh, I got a microphone and I say things to say things. And I'll tell you this much. They showed every bit of a team who bounced back and is starting to forge an identity of a team who's doing everything for each other. And that's huge. And one of the, I, the icing on the cake that I saw on Friday, I'm oh, sorry, on Saturday was Lexi Templeman, the captain of the Robert Morris women's squad, getting her first career hat trick and natural hat trick. And one of the first I've seen the Robert Morris Colonials score, I think, in my entire time there. So <laughs> it was their biggest output on Saturday, 7 nothing win over RIT. Since the October twentieth, two 2017 game against Brown, a game in which I was unable to cover because I was, do- I was ho- uh, DJing a wedding that night. <laughs> and I remember watching it from my booth. I actually had it on my phone from my booth. I had purchased it watching it with no sound and being able to at least watch some of that. But that was also the first game that Lexi Templeman scored her first career goal and had her first career multi-point game. So things come full circle when you think about it. And it's an interesting way for them to show what they could, what they showcase. And one of the big things that I took from that game was the ability for different line and different combinations to mesh. And that's, one of those things you like to look for because you never know. And Mr. Paul Collin- head coach Paul Colantino said it in his post-game uh, media availability that 
you never know whenever you're going to need somebody. And one of the big ones was uh, Emily Harley being able to play center for the first time in two years for the squad. And she did that between junior Mackenzie Krasowski and Molly Padone, fresh, a first year coming in. And neither of those players really got a lot of time. And I, I talked to a couple people, and I, I'm, I'm an advocate for Krasowski getting a little bit more opportunity. And she has the ability. She has a heck of a shot. And... But you know, little you sometimes there's just some things you can't uh, you can't explain, and it's just how it is. And uh, seeing Harley go out there and then immediately be able to roll back on D and play a double shift as the pairing partner for uh, Emily Curlett on that opportunity was a, a cool thing to see, and it was really nice to see the uh, you know the team be able to play the combinations a little bit differently. They were rolling Warkowski up on the top line with Boyle and. And Templeman, and they were rolling a couple different players on different lines, and it, they didn't miss a beat. And you know, it was a lower stress level to be able to give it a shot. You can't always get the best efforts out of a practice whenever you do it. So when you actually have the real thing and the variables that are involved of being on the ice, it kind of works out, and it's actually uh, it was a welcome sight. Now, I want to switch gears on the women's team right now, and I want to talk about. The CHA standings. Now, I will straight up admit I haven't been paying attention to them. Usually, I'm on top of them. Oh, well, they need to do this. They need to do that. It's a big week for Robert Morris. This is the biggest week they're going to have all season. They have Mercyhurst, who they are 12 points up on right now, in the conference standings for second place. So, currently... They are 9-2-1 in conference with 19 points. Mercyhurst is 3-4-1. Now, remember, that's only eight games. So, Robert Morris has played 12 games. So, there's four games in hand right now for Mercyhurst. That's eight points. Not saying that anything's set in stone. But a win at Mercyhurst on Tuesday on, at 2 p.m. at the Mercyhurst Ice Center will put them, let's put that 14 points up on the Lakers. Not only will it do that, that will temporarily jump them over the Penn State Nittany Lions for first in the conference. Now, I didn't realize how close the two squads were and how big of a gap it was between second and third right now. So it's a two-horse race. And while we're talking about that two-horse race, look who's staring down the Robert Morris Colonials on Saturday, uh, Friday and Saturday, the Penn State Nittany Lions at Pagula Ice Arena. So it's an interesting week coming up for the Colonials. This is going to take a lot for the regular season title coming out of this weekend because when you look at what they have left, they have two, they have one more against Mercyhurst after the Tuesday game, which means they have two left, one this Tuesday and one next Tuesday. I remind you that they have. In a week, four games coming up starting Tuesday. Mercyhurst, Penn State, Penn State, Mercyhurst at home. So three-game road stand, come back at home on Tuesday of next week. Then they have two at RIT and two at Syracuse to close the season out. I'm sorry, two at home against Syracuse. Now they have a, a series against Sacred Heart in between there. But it's going to be a nice chance for this team to continue the high standard of the previous teams that have been set. So they have the opportunity to come in and become the number one seed in the regular season of the CHA tournament. In this short season, that could be huge. Get that extra get extra buy, and you see how the bottom four are working. Mercyhurst can turn on at any time. Syracuse is not... An easy win. It's not an easy beat. They went up there and they had a hard time with them both games. So you would like to see one of those two teams and not have to play one of those guys in the first round. So it would be interesting to see how that plays out. I know that doesn't make sense, but bear with me on that. It will at some point. We're going to flip switch here, and we're going to talk to Gary Heeman about the Robert Morris men momentarily whenever he comes on. So the men, of course... Let's get their last couple games involved on here. RMU has played Mercyhurst the last three games. 
and I'll tell you what, it's every bit what you would have expected between Robert Morris and Mercyhurst as they won on Saturday in dramatic fashion down 3-1 going into the third. Sorry, a little bit early into the third. Rattled off four straight goals and were able to defeat the Mercyhurst Lakers on a Roman Kramer goal late in the game. This was your prototypical Robert Morris Mercyhurst matchup, and I remember sitting up in the uh, up along the outside taking pictures with Gary Heeman. We were discussing. We said, "I said this is not an interest. This is an interesting way to go about it." He said, "This isn't even over. You know Robert Morris. You know Mercyhurst. You know how they play. Guarantee you, five four is not going to be the score of this game." And that was when it was three one. Five three was the final. So with that being said, I'm going to bring on Gary Heeman now. We're going to talk a little bit about the Robert Morris men. All right, joining us now, of course, our Robert Morris men's correspondent. And I know him in another life as screaming Gary Heeman. But here, for our case, he is Gary Heeman. How's it going, Gary? Uh, not bad. I'm not going to scream tonight. It's uh, It's been a good night. It's been a good weekend for the Robert Morris Colonials this weekend, anyway, with the uh, the win last night. Yeah, you talk about that win. But to get to that win, I want to talk about what it cost them to get there, and uh, you had a super extended series where you only played a single game against Mercyhurst. Well, I believe it was what, two, uh, the, a Saturday, a couple Saturdays ago, a Tuesday game, and then this game on Saturday. Right. So Absolutely. Uh, yeah. uh, it's a, it's a, a three-game set, and we, uh, uh, I may have even mentioned it before. We, um, we harken back to the, uh, the CHA days a little bit this year, especially towards the end of it when there were only four teams in the conference. Mm-hmm. And you kind of had to play, um, you know, the same opponent sometimes four nights in, or four games in a row. Sometimes you know, two year, two there. Um, you know, you find out a lot about each other, <laughs> and um, you know, and that was uh, such the case uh, in this one with um, with Mercyhurst, who's always been a, a, a we can call him a rival, you know, in the same state, and we've had some uh, heated games with them over the years, and some some single elimina- single elimination tournament games as well that have gone to you know right down to the very end in overtime. Um, that have been hard fought. So they've, they've got a history. And um, that history, uh, for the most part, kind of dictates that at least two games in whatever amount of games they're playing in a particular year, you're going to have these bizarre games <laughs> that are almost inexplicable um, in yeah. the way they go. Um, <laughs> you know, where you re- no lead is ever safe, mm-hmm. and you're going to be seeing some bonus hockey, and such was the case. Um, in one of the games this weekend, but it's, it's funny, Mitch, I mean, these two teams, I mean, it, I, I look at the the teams as, you know, reflections of the coaches, Rick Gotkin for Mercy Hurst and, and Derek Scooby for Rob Morris. They built teams that have, you know, lots of skill. Um, they, they both like to, to hit hard and they're both, you know, when they have the, the skill down, very opportunistic teams. It does not take much to, to turn, you know, an opportunity into a goal for either one of these sides over the years. And that's rung true for as far as I've, you know, known both programs. Um, and here's the one thing, Mitch, it's almost like the two sides, no matter the players change, you know, every four years, but the two sides always have a, a way of getting each other out of the game they want to play. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, you know, that um, the, the colonials like to play, you know, up and down the ice to a certain degree. They, they like to, to use that skill and they, they've, you know, stretch the ice, you know, a good deal in the past before, you know, and, and try to have um, you know, the defense of the goaltending to match up for anything that happens the other way. And you can watch Mercier sometimes just get him right out of that system and likewise with the Colonials just taking Mercier's right off their game. So we had another three wild game series. Um, you know, we started out last week um, up in Mercier's actually in Erie. And um, you know what? Probably the Probably the the most old school one. I mean, in terms of you know just a normal result and you know and some starts from the Colonials. It's a two to two tie. Um, Mercyhurst carries a two nothing lead into that third period, and sure enough, um, Colonials are able to match it right back with some um, timely goals, get it to overtime, and then lose very late in that overtime in the three on three set. Um, you know what can I tell you there? I mean, you're, as well as it had been going for Rob Morris this season. You know, they were probably due to experience a, a stumble and fall moment here or there. Um, you know, and that's probably a moment that, you know, if you're Derek Schooley, you're going to turn it into something you can, you know, learn from mm-hmm. and get better from. Um, and then the weird, let's talk about the midweek game really quick. 
wow. Once again, it looks like the Colonials are, are in, in another, you know, heavily contested, hotly contested conference dogfight. And here go the the Mercyhurst Lakers. They rattle off three straight on the board, make it five to two, and you're really kind of scratching your head. And maybe even in four straight minutes, I'm trying to think back. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're, you're trying to think about the last time that this really happened to Robert Morris, where they just really got racked up in one period for a lot of goals and torched. Um, you know, goaltender pole, Luz Meyer comes in. You almost have to go back to that Penn State game a couple seasons ago at the island. It's it's very rare that you see this happen because a lot of times, you know, Scooby and his crew have been really good at being able to to seize the the momentum away from the team with a, a, a timely timeout, um, you know, a goaltender switch or, you know, just kind of a, a switch and adjustment with the personnel, you know, to get his team back on track. Um, it happened, though. Um, it it's funny, yeah, the Colonial strike for three to end that second period and in a 5-5 tied hockey game, you know, I mean, and you felt really good about their chances. I mean, you look at the stat sheet, Mitch, uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I think the Colonials had a 49-30 to 30, um, shot advantage. I'm looking if, at that game right now. Uh, the See if I'm close. I am looking at the, their stats are a little bit wild on this, but the uh, – so they scored, it was – Kyler Head scored first, then Keenan yep. Stewart tied it up at one. McAlian scored the second Robert Morris goal. Then Mercyhurst rattled off four straight before Cam Haybear, Nick Perkusik, and Santeri Hartikainen scored for Robert Morris. And then Mercyhurst rattled off the last two and the third. Uh, so, yeah. Total shots for the game, though, Mitch. Oh, total shots for the game. It That's was. It. I got gotcha. you. This is not showing up on here the way they have it on their final. So right, let me see. Yeah, I'm not not in my laptop right now, but it's all right. I want to say it was around 49, if I remember correctly. And I could have been wrong. Maybe there's some alterations made at the end of the game that sometimes does happen. But yeah, I got the the sheet stat sheet up here. Total shots on goal. It looks like it was 49-30. Robert Morris. Yeah, yeah. And that's with Mercier's blocking a lot of shots because I heard it from several people. That they were just throwing on the body left and right in front of those shots. So twenty blocks for for yeah. Mercyhurst. Exactly. Give give Mercyhurst some credit. They wanted it real bad. I mean, the, yeah. the Colonials were right there with them, though. And I think that's the thing. Um, you know, you look back at some of the goals that were given up, and um, you know, some of the uh, misfortune the Colonials suffered, and then they t- have the stars to get back into it. It's a great thing, and then the tie. It's a great thing. Yeah. Um, you know, but it's a game to cook on either way, as was the two-two tie. And then last night, um, yeah, again, we both attended where we saw the Colonials, you know, get victimized by some bad bounces. Uh-huh. I mean, there's a carom off of a stick or a puck right in front of the slot there um, to the right of starting goaltender Noah West. And it comes right to um, the uh, Mercer's player right there at the side of the net with the puck on his stick and puts it right in. Yep. Um, and then a, a shorthanded goal from a situation where, you know, you're Nick Jennings at the blue line and um, the puck just kind of squeezes away, you know, in a rare moment and turns into a breakaway. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, you're looking at those two and it would be, it would have been easy to hang their heads and they didn't. Um, that's the one thing they could have easily said, hey, look, it's just not going away, especially when they, they came back with the Nick Jennings goal to make it two to one. And then right off the bat, with, you know, you talk about early impact goals right to start or, or finish a period. Yeah. And Mercyhurst gets the early impact goal in that third period to go up three to one. And you're like, wow. We might we might be looking at a at a Mercyhurst sweep of the Colonials this season, which would be rare. I want to ask um, you. I want to stop you right there because I want to ask you on sure. that. Uh, off of that point, you were saying about how the team was able to bounce back, and we're seeing that a lot this season. That the be uh, the resiliency sure. of this squad is that something that you're seeing that this team's a lot more I mean, a lot better at is the maintaining composure when things are getting rough, because I'm seeing you know the history of this team and in the past. Whenever you they would get they would get down a couple goals it, they would get the battle but they weren't able to maintain their composure. Is this is something you're seeing from this squad that maybe isn't hasn't been around the last couple seasons? Um, I don't know if it's composure. The battle level has always been there. I want to say one thing about it though: the difference that I see, they've got finish ability. Okay, it's it's all great to come back with a firestorm of energy against an opponent, you're down a goal or two in a critical situation of a game. Mm-hmm. That's all well and good, but, you know, really great teams that have that leader are going to kind of sneer at you a little bit and go, yeah, <laughs> until you get within like five feet of my neck, you're nothing. Right. Uh, this team has teeth, um, and they're loaded with them. <laughs> That's the one thing. 
there is more finish on this team than we've had in a couple of years, probably. Um, so yeah, be very afraid. If you do have that slim lead against the Colonials, it's not safe. Um, and I think they've proven that over and over again this season. Now, I don't get too many details right now sent to me. Do you have any updates on what's going on with the Atlantic Hockey Tournament? How are they going to run it? Seeing how, well, Canisius just got shut down again. And, right. you know, some teams not being able to play. Are there any details floating on out there? No, uh, Bob DeGregorio and the uh, staff at Atlantic Hockey keep that um, you know, fairly well to the vest um, among coaches probably, as they should. There's no sense in, in floating around, you know, theories and possibilities right. for tournament procedure that may never happen. Um, look, it's COVID-19 and we're kind of living week to week and that's yeah. all of us. Um, you know, so expect changes to the things that have already been changed if it happens. And here's the one thing I will say. I mean, they're, they're probably going to have to look at something um, to cover the, the amount of teams that have not really been able to play anywhere near the right. games some teams have. Um, you know, Sacred Heart's not got a lot of games at all under the six, belt this season. Six yeah, conference exactly. games. Canisius has played five conference games. I don't know if it's a situation where we're going to see yeah. the top seven maybe take that first weekend off and then like take whoever's left that didn't get that many games and say, we're going to give you one chance. Here it is, you know, uh-huh. if you want to move forward. Or at the end of the regular season, we're just going to take maybe an inventory of all teams and say, is there anybody that on a COVID basis cannot continue? Right. You know, and at that point, Jen, seat everybody and then give appropriate buys. I mean, there's, you, could, you could rest the top five teams and play down from there or the top four if it's an odd number of teams. If somebody does have to drop out for COVID to start the Atlantic Hockey Tournament, you know, they can, uh, they're flexible. And I think they will continue to be flexible until we declare a champion. Um, from that point on, it's just up to the NCAA to say, look, you know, we've got to make it fair beyond the six tournament champions on who gets selected for the at-large bids. That needs to be a fair and transparent process. Um, you know, I, I, I kind of get the, uh, we're going to have a, a smoke-filled backroom, you know, committee on this one. I'm hoping that's not the case, but if that is, um, I'm just hoping they take, you know, take into account, you know, a lot of different factors and that, you know, I don't leave anybody in, in Atlantic hockey out. Um, and I champion every school out there that put forth an effort to play this year, as many yeah. games as they could, you know, I'm, you. I'm looking at, I'm looking at two teams right now though. And I'm looking, you know, I'd say I'm looking at AIC and, and RMU. They both probably deserve to be in that thing. If I had to decide it right now. Well, you're looking at it right now. And I was just, I just looked up the standings yeah. right now and out of that, you know, American International leading Atlantic Hockey, and they, they yep. have it split. I'm looking on the College Hockey News site right now. Mm-hmm. They have right. it ranked by points percentage, wins percentage. Right. So right now, it's an eight with an 889, American International's first, 32 points in, in the 12 games played, and Robert Morris is second, 29 points. And then it's a drop-off. Army's yep. got 18 points and a 600, and Mercyhurst is 16 points in 10 games played. With a 533. RIT's mm-hmm. by points percentage third, but they've only played seven games. They've got 14 points with a 667. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's tough to say, you know, RIT, could they be there? You know, that is that right place for them? But they also, you know, you don't know who hasn't played who, and it, it, yeah, and it's tough to say this year. And they got shut down tonight, too. Yeah, they, so, they were the that, Canisius that team. Yeah, that was a team they yeah. were playing Canisius, yeah. I mean, I, I know that this I kind of feel bad, okay? I mean, mm-hmm. I... Believe it or not, I mean, RIT or Canisius could probably be as competitive as the top two teams, which includes AIC and RMU right now. Um, they're both very good hockey teams. In fact, Canisius beat Rob Morris earlier in the season. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, you know, Rob Morris took a, a hard fought um, well, sweep here on home ice. Weren't they supposed to play RIT. them tonight? Well, that was who the team they were supposed to play this past weekend was Canisius. Correct. And they got shut down to the point where Mercyhurst, they moved that Mercyhurst game up to the Saturday. Yeah. So. You know, it, and things, and hats off to all to everybody involved with the scheduling and the committees and everything to make that happen. Yeah. I didn't even realize this game was happening until I was looking at the schedule on Thursday. I don't think it yeah. came out until then. <laughs> like yeah, I'm like, because uh... I was supposed to go to the women's game, and I was, what am I doing after the women's game? And then all of a sudden, there's a seven oh a seven thirty five game against Mercyhurst on the schedule for the men, and I'm like. Well, I mean, <laughs> I guess I could hang around the west side of the city for a couple hours. There you but go. like, you I know, mean, it, it's yeah. it, it, hats off to all of them because there's a lot of moving parts and to be able to make that happen on such short yeah. notice is, is it's it's amazing. 
It is. I mean, and the, these kids are are very resilient uh, young student athletes that um that really deserve a lot of praise for everything they're going through. But not only that, it would have been easy just to say let's let's shut everything down because of this COVID and not play. The hard thing to do is to keep on playing because that means that you're going to have to take precautions and you know certain liberties with things we're doing outside of campus or the classroom are, are not shut off to you. Mm-hmm. You have to kind of bubble up and be the best team you can. Um, you know, make sure that you're making the right decisions and avoiding, you know, situations where you might, you know, have a possibility of, of coming down with a COVID-19 case yep. or, you know, or not even knowing that you have it and giving it to your teammates. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they've got to, you know, they've really had to tighten down the ship and, and, you know, prove how much they wanted to play hockey, Mitch. That's the one thing. I mean, yeah, it, it, these athletes are amazing and the, 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 the way they love to play their sport, it's not just a sport that, you know, maybe can get me, you know, out of, you know, this situation or circumstance in life, and I can be a pro athlete and people will, you know, love and adore me. These kids just love to play hockey. Yep. You know, and they're great students. I mean, they, they carry over 3.0 grade point averages across the board for the most part, most of them above 3.5, and they still will get beat up every week, go to practice 20 hours and do whatever it takes to get in that lineup and get a sweater on game night. Um, hats off to them always. And then this year to even do that and take it to your personal life, make sure you're doing the right things to stay COVID safe. That's another step that proves just how bad they want to do it. All right. Um, well, I had a couple other questions, but we went off on that tangent and it was a terrific tangent to go off on because there were a lot of questions out there. And I think I'm going to save those questions for another podcast. Gary, I want to thank you for coming on. Uh, I got to fit this in in so much hours. You and I both know what it's like to have to fit a podcast into one hour. We've gone over several times, so (laughs) on (laughs) our own. So we'll figure it out as we go along. Gary, thanks again for coming on. All right. No problem. Have a good week, Mitch. We'll talk to you later on. That was Gary Heeman. This is Brian Mitchell. We'll be right back. I'd like to thank Gary Heeman for joining us on the PhD podcast every time that he does. Uh, We're going to. Flip the switch now, and we're going to talk a little bit of high school hockey. And we're going to cut it down because i got two weeks of games to cover. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to cut, catch you up on the standings, and we're going to talk a little bit about the divisions. And then uh, we'll move on, and we'll talk to about our two teams that are in question today, the Thomas Jefferson Jaguars and the North Allegheny Tigers. So let's start out with it, and we're going to start in Class B today. And we're going to start in the north. Three-way tie for first place. Wilmington, Bishop Canavan, and Neshanik leading the way. 14 points. Of course, Wilmington and Bishop Canavan each have nine games played. Neshanik has that 10th game played, meaning that the game in hand will be important for both Wilmington and Bishop Canavan over Neshanik if something were to happen. Moving to the south. Ringgold, Carrick, Connellsville, your top three teams. Ringgold, of course, a behemoth. Hard to play against. 10-0-0-1. A little lonely one at the end there is one that I don't know about. So I'm going to look it up and see who they have an overtime loss against. And that had to happen recently. And Connellsville is the team to do it to them in overtime. The Falcons, of course, play on that Olympic-size ice down there. So might have had something to do with it. So an interesting game down in the ice mine. Bring Connellsville over Elizabeth forward by two points. Connellsville has eight games. Carrick has eight games and Ringgold 11. The big thing to take away there is those six points. Keep Carrick right on Ringgold's toes. Seven and one are the Cougars right now. 14 points. Connellsville has three games in hand. That'll put them at 16 points max with, oh, sorry, six points available Minus Ringgold, so that keeps them five points out on the plus-minus if you think about it. Elizabeth forward, eight points with ten games played. Morgantown, of course, with the West Virginia teams being shut down till March, not going to be able to play any more than what they have right now. Two games in, two losses for the Mohawks, and Trinity 0-7 on the year. So that's the Class B standings right now. We're going to move our way to Class Single A, Swickley Academy, leading the, the uh, northeast Northwest Division, three and four on the year, six points. Uh, McDowell two and seven, four points. 
Blackhawk playing the most games out of the division, two and eight, four points. Beaver, one and seven on the year for two points. Wide open division there. Anybody's game, depending on how it ends up. In the Northeast, Kiski, North Catholic, Freeport, and Fox Chapel is your order. Kiski and North Catholic tied with matching six and three records. The Freeport Yellow Jackets are in third with 10 points, and Fox Chapel up behind with six. Freeport has played four less games than the top two teams, so keep that in mind as the standings continue to progress. In the southeast, Indiana running that town. 9-0 and oh on the season, 18 points. Greensburg-Salem, six points back, 6-3 and three on the year. Norwin at 12 points tied with Greensburg-Salem, but has played two more games at 6-5 and five on the year. Westmont Hilltop, 1-7 and seven on the year, two points. In the southwest, Chartiers Valley bouncing back. We talked to, of course, Coach Paul Benetti two weeks ago, and he, of course, talked about the younger squads growing and building and becoming better as the years progress. So it's nice to be able to see that happen and good for the Colts to be able to challenge in a division and play very well as they move along. The North Hills Indians are right behind them, 11 points. And then the South Park Eagles with seven points, two games in hand. So they are right there with North Hills. And Quaker Valley, three and six on a year. Young, another young squad we talked about, but has a really big upside. Of course, you can never go wrong with a Coach Quinn team. So this Quaker Valley, Quakers are going to be one to deal with later in their time, maybe a year or two out. So we're going to jump into Class AA in the Northwest Montours leading the way. Seven games played, three games more than Meadville. Ten points for those Montour, Montour Spartans. Meadville, three and six on a year, and an overtime loss with seven points. Mars, three and four. Same amount of games as Montour right now. Six points. Moon, two and six on a year, four points. Baldwin leading the way in the southwest. We'll talk about Thomas Jefferson in a second. They're in second with 15 points. And West Allegheny, six and one on a year on a pause right now. And South Fayette sitting in fourth. Two and four on the year, six points. Just two overtime losses helping them out. Armstrong leading the Northeast, five and five on the season. It's tied with the same games with Shaler. Two and seven on the year are the Titans with an overtime loss, five points. Hampton, two and six, give them four points on the year. And Plum, 0-6, oh, 0-1, oh, one, one point on the year for the Mustangs. In the Southeast, Hempfield leading the way, seven and one on the year, 14 points. Right on their tails, but with two more games played, Franklin Regional. They are 6-3 and three on the year with an overtime loss, 13 points. Penn Trafford, one game less than Hempfield, two points down, right in the thick of things. The Warriors are 6-1 and one on the year, 12 points. Greater Latrobe, 3-5 and five on the year with an overtime loss. They are of seven points. Two more games, one more game played than Hempfield on the season. We're actually going to jump and talk about Thomas Jefferson now. Thomas Jefferson 7-1-0-1 on the season. Started out the season with an overtime loss and a loss. And you didn't know how they would fit in in that Southwest Division because it was tough for Montour last year. And West Allegheny and Baldwin were bringing back enough of their pieces. But it looks like those Thomas Jefferson Jaguars are jumping in and taking advantage of it. They, of course, took three out of the four points possible against West Allegheny in their season series. So... Right now, West Allegheny has two more games to play in hand over Thomas Jefferson. They are down three points, but Thomas Jefferson took three out of four points. Of course, they have a win and an overtime win against the West Allegheny Indians. So you talk, you think about that for a second. They're still on the ball, the tails of, you know, of Baldwin, and let's see what we have for a schedule to see what those two teams, if they face off at some point coming up or if they have faced off at this point, the – Thomas Jefferson Jaguars' only loss of the season came at the hands of the Baldwin Highlanders. That was on November 5th, way back at Ice Castle on the trackside rink. And they will play on February 18th at Ice Castle, a 9 p.m. faceoff. And that might be the most important game for these Thomas Jefferson Jaguars as they continue along. But we also um, I got caught up with their coach, Bill Krause. He's been with them for 
Well, over over 12 years, so he's going to talk a little bit about the Thomas Jefferson program and how they all played out. So let me bring him in, Bill Krause, now on the PhD Podcast. All right, I am here with Bill Krause. He's on the phone, a PhD Podcast. Bill, how's everything going? Fine, thanks. How are you? Good, good. Bill is the head coach at the Thomas Jefferson program. Uh, Bill, how did you get started with that program, and um, how long ago was that? I, I don't. I, you've been around longer than I have, so I'm trying to, you know, put numbers in with it all. I started as a freshman coach, I believe it was uh, 12 years ago. I did that for one season, and then the varsity coach left, and then they asked if I was interested. I said sure, and then I think yeah, I think it's this is my 12th year, I believe. Wow, 12 years with the program. That's you know. You don't hear that about that a lot, uh, especially whenever you're talking about a varsity coach. So that, that's huge for the, uh, a program. Uh, so, Bill, as we moved along, and uh, I started covering about five seasons ago, so I've seen a lot of Thomas Jefferson hockey in those last five years. Talk about some of the players that have come through the program and, you know, as you move along, and we're going to come up on the, <laughs> where the obvious question of how last year ended, but... Uh, talk about the program the last couple seasons. Well, I mean, since uh, whatever it was the year we made it to the finals against Quaker Valley, that senior group seemed to really jumpstart the program. And kids have wanted to play since then. So we've always had the best kids in the area that uh, went to school here, you know, were interested in playing and decided to. And it's made a world of difference. And we've had some really good quality kids come through, not so much, not just in talent alone, but in just in dedication uh, to the team itself, and especially with the travel players who could be anywhere over the weekend and, and have to come back and play on a Monday, you know, after playing four or five games on a weekend. I mean, that, that takes a lot of dedication. Fortunately, we've had a lot of those kids in the recent years. Yeah, I, I remember the story from a couple seasons ago. I was actually, I don't think I covered both games because I believe that the Penn's Elite played on one game and then you guys had a playoff game against South Fayette, I believe, and you know, you talk about the travel players, uh, Matt Krieger and Ian Kumar. <laughs> they they drove together down to the game to play each other. So you know that's one of those little things you don't get to, you don't get to see that often. And I know exactly what you're talking about when it comes to that. Um, question about your current squad. Now I noticed the last couple seasons uh, there was a little bit of a deficiency in that net. Um, you had one player covering the entire time, if I remember correctly. Uh, Luke Rapepi came on. The beginning uh, during his freshman year, he was the only goaltender, and there was a little bit of a question mark. I remember asking somebody about that. What's it been like having to, you know, work off of having one netminder through the last couple seasons? <laughs> it makes practicing time a little bit uh, hard to come up with what you can do. Uh, we were actually would reach out to uh, a freshman goaltender last year. We had couples show up for practices, which made it so much better. Uh, but, then, you know, you're always hurt, you know, praying that Luke doesn't get hurt or he doesn't get sick or, you know, any one of those things. Because then you're, you know, you're, you're stuck. The one year uh, we had a goaltender issue, we only had the one and, and my kid had the playing goal. So okay. it's it just you, you hate to have that. But uh, it, it's part of what we were in the beginning or what we were the past few years. It's just a smaller program with, you know, not a lot of people. You you picked up a player, a, a very solid goaltender from Elizabeth Forward's program last season, in uh, Billy Simon. And what's it been like to actually be able to have you know two goaltenders to go to in a game situation? Oh, it, it's great. I mean, for you know the kids were even excited for it for, for for practice. And then we had like four exhibition games, and we split them both. Got to see him. Uh, he's joined in nicely with the team. And it's just a, it's a luxury that, you know, we didn't have for the, all those years. I mean, for the one year we put in a kid that never played goalie in his life. That's where we were at that point. Mm-hmm. And now we're, you know, we're ahead of the game now, it seems like, with two. Talk to me a little bit about last season. You guys were on that Cinderella, I'll call it a Cinderella run. You had Indiana face down for the state, for the, uh, sorry, the Penguin Cup final with a chance to go to the state final online and then have the season end at, uh, as abruptly as it had, what was it like to have to, you know, talk to the guys about that? And, you know, what was the general feeling about it? Oh, everybody was disappointed that uh, it was even postponed to start, but there was always hope and the PIHL was doing everything it possibly could to try and get that game in. It, it just, it just didn't happen. And it was disappointing for the kids. I'm sure, you know, for every team that was still left 
uh, in the in the PIHL either for AAA the semifinals even. Uh, so it's just disappointing. But again, there's there's things more important than hockey in life, and you know it's just one of those things that you're always gonna. It's the unknown that you you always want to know the answer to. That sometimes you're you're never gonna get, and that seems those seem to sting a little more. Yeah. Okay, so you move out of that situation. Now, you guys have elevated from single A to double A this season. How has that transition been for you for the, you as a team, and have there been any issues or like th- obstacles you've had to overcome? Uh, no issues or anything. I think it was just a learning curve. We had the, the first two games, you know, depending on how you look at it, a blessing or a curse. We got arguably, you know, two of the best teams in double A this year, back-to-back, and you know, we lost both of those games, but I think we learned a lot from those, mm-hmm. uh, and it's helped us become a better team. So uh, we've really been pushing forward to just continue to improve and get used to, you know, the level we're playing, you know, learning even in the last game against Sinfield. You, you know, you can't let up after two periods. The teams aren't going to go away. and So we're still learning lessons, but mm-hmm. I think at the end it will make us a better team. You come up to double A and you get put into the gauntlet in a division with Baldwin and West Allegheny. What is it like, you know, to get elevated and then have to, you know, you're having a, you're going to have a tougher time this season? Well, I mean, there was some concern going in because you wanted to make sure the kids were going to compete, but you know that they show no signs of, of not wanting to compete to, to be one of the better teams in Double A, and 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 it, you know, for as just a fan of hockey in general, both those games were great games to watch, even though we lost. Uh, and then looking at the even the Hemphill game, those first two periods. I mean, that's exactly what you want to see as a coach from your players, just, you know, playing the best that they can, giving their best effort, everybody, all the way down the line. Uh, so it, it's interesting. It's fun. It's everything combined in there. So, so far it's been great, but uh, I'm sure we're going to learn a few more lessons along the way. All right, Bill, um, I'm going to let you go. I want to say thank you for coming on and joining us here on the PhD podcast. Is there anything else you want to add? No, no, thank you so much for having me, and thank you for all the high school coverage. I'm sure the kids, parents, and coaches all appreciate it. No problem. Thank you. That was Bill Krause. I'm Brian Mitchell. This was the PhD Podcast. We'll be right it's back. always good to catch up with a new coach and be able to talk to them. I, I don't really get to talk a little bit with Coach Krause as he moved along, and it, it was really good to talk to him and get to know the man behind the bench and that program being rebuilt and how it actually went together. So uh, thank you to Coach Krause for taking time out of his day to contact me and let me know uh, that we can talk. So I'll bring in the remainder of our show now, which is the PIHL Varsity Triple A. And the standings go like this. The North Allegheny Tigers leading the way 8-1, 16 points. Cannon McMillan at 7-1-0-1, 15 points, one point behind. The Seneca Valley Raiders, 7-1 on the season, 14 points. One game less played than Cannon McMillan, so they're well within the range of those top three teams, those top two teams. Pine Richland, 6-2 on the year, eight games played. Mount Lebanon, it's only six games played, but they're 4-1-0-1 on the season, nine points for the Blue Devils. Peters Township, 4-1 on the season. They've played the least number of games, five games played for the Indians. 4-1 on the year, eight points. Bethel Park, 3-7 on the year. They played the most games out of the conference, tied with Butler, of course. 3-7-0-1, seven seven points for the Blackhawks. The Cathedral Prep Ramblers, 3-6 on the year, six points. Nine games played. Central Catholic, 2-5 on the year with two overtime losses, six points. Upper St. Clair, 1-5-0-1 on the year, three points. And Butler, the Golden Tornadoes, 1-10 on the year with two points. North Allegheny, of course, leading the way. And it's just another day at the office for the North Allegheny Tigers. Uh, But, you know, with a couple teams on their tail right now, of course, four of the five top, sorry, three of the top four teams play out of the Barrel Ice Complex so anything can happen at that point. You look at it and you say, North Allegheny, just another team, you know, another year for them, going to be top of the thing. But there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes and how, you know, you have to deal with, you know, building teams whenever you have a, you know, you could just say, oh, well, they have this big attendance. You know, they have this big 
pool of players to pull from, and it's not always that case. And, you know, North Allegheny this year, they didn't, like, I think I recognized four players on this squad, and I, that's what I talked to head coach Mike Bagnato about, and actually I'm going to bring that interview in now. So here is our couple minutes. It's actually about a 20-minute interview with Mike Bagnato of the North Allegheny Tigers. Good stuff coming up. I hope you listen. All right, we're joined now by Michael Bagnato. He is the head coach of the North Allegheny Tigers. Mike, how's everything going there, buddy? Very good today. It's, good good, it's a good day. Good right. day to be. I would like to say it's a good day to be a Tiger. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Always love to have a little bit of the pride there. I know uh, you're one of the. You, you enjoy what you do. I mean, not. No, I'm not saying that no other coaches enjoy it. I'm just saying that you always have a smile on your face no matter what. Whenever I go to the rink and see you there, thank so you. It, it's one of those things you love to see somebody that's as invested into it as everybody else's. I've never see, heard a crossword about anything from you. So, with that being said, we're going to start with the, the tough questions here. Um, you were on your way to a back-to-back year for the North Allegheny Tigers, and uh, things got shut down last season. How tough was that to watch that senior class not be able to defend that title? Uh, as you could imagine, and as you are wearing it, it was, and, and I'm sure there were all kinds of, of uh, amateur athletics that were caught into that whole bind last year, but and our, everything hits home what's close to you. And we certainly felt that we had... Um, we had as good a chance as anybody uh, to repeat a triple A. And uh, uh, that's something that hasn't been done. I don't think in 20 years, I think Bethel did it last mm-hmm. however long ago. And, 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 uh, and I, and I did feel very bad for the kids. You know, we had 12 seniors. A lot of them played on that team the year before. Um, a lot of them I had for at least three years. Um, and um, I'd like to think that myself and my staff we, we do become very invested in our kids. So when uh, when it came down to that point, um, uh, it was just it was it was so surreal. We you know we, we do a lot of team dinners and things like that with our kids. It's just something that we do. Um, and we had a, we had a we had a we had a practice. We had a team dinner. We looked at some film. We talked some things out through the game. Uh, I think we all felt very 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 good about about our chances going into the semis Mm -hmm. and you know three hours before the game you get a phone call saying hey look you're not going to play yeah and then and then and then we all kind of got you know we all kind of got got somewhat you know we're like holding out hope for 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 a while there that we were going to play and then when will we be able to play and we'll be able to get it to go and it just was going on and on and on and uh, you know i i think i think the hardest thing for for your for the teams or your team is that in our case or if you're still playing you know you don't you don't really get that closure right mm-hmm. so you know the, the season ends for better or for worse right i mean there's really only one winner but a lot you know if even even if you lose the season's over you appreciate your accomplishments and how you did or you know or, or, or all the all of all the experiences that you had we didn't uh, we did. We had after that dinner in practice. After dinner, I mean, we didn't see each other as a group for four to five months. Mm-hmm. I mean, we eventually had like a little. I, I, I wanted to give the kids their letters and say goodbye to goodbye to them before they went. Before you would think they would go to school. A lot of them were mm-hmm. still around, but um, I, I'm, I'm very fortunate. I have a very big front yard that's kind of uh, like on a little bit of a grade, so we could do some social distancing and we did an outside little presentation and talked about the kids and let them talk. And, uh, the seniors got to give their jerseys and things. It certainly wasn't the same, but, but we, we, we tried to make the best out of the situation. Um, and so I, I, I did, uh, because I'm, I'm fond, uh, I mean, in particular, I mean, I, I've been very, very lucky over the seven years I I've been at, been at NA and uh, I've developed a lot of good relationships with these kids and I've watched a lot of them grow and every year's a different story. But um, last year's group, I just, it was just, uh, they were very much looking forward to the opportunity that was in front of them. So 
uh, you know, it, it is, it's unfortunate, but you know, life goes on. I, I'd, I'd like to say, I'd like to think that if this is the worst thing that ever happens to them in their life, they'll have pretty good lives. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, still going with it now, a couple shutdowns later and, uh, we're going to just trudge along like everybody needs to right now and move along. And, you know, it, it's awesome for he, to hear that, that side of it. Cause a lot of people don't know that that's going on, you know, you don't see the relationships that are growing between, you know, coaching staffs and the players and how that works and, you know, that many years. And that that's something that I didn't even put into perspective. So I thank you for talking about that uh, candidly yep. right now about it. Um, no worries. So let's uh, move along into uh, this season's, this season Tigers. Now, out with the old, in with the new. We were I was looking at your roster before we came on today, and I, I was there last week whenever you guys played Pine Richland. And I was noticing a lot of new names, and I know we talked before a game about you're trying to get some younger players in so that they were able to play in the next year, and you know you're able to roll those those uh, lower lines to get them experience. And I'll tell you what, it was hard for me to recognize names, and <laughs> outside of Connor yeah. Chi and and Gallo, and you know I remember Washaba, but those guys are you know this is a younger squad, and I, I saw a lot of sophomores like and a, a lot of juniors in this squad. Yeah, we do have we have a we have a great we, we knew we had a, a good younger class that was on our JV team last year and we knew they had some potential. We didn't you know we are we are certainly fortunate that we are one of the bigger schools if not, you know, the mm -hmm. biggest school. We have a lot to, to pick from. I know we hear that all the time. Mm -hmm. But uh, but but we we don't you know you never know with the kids how they're going to gel, how they're going to progress. You know, I, I was I had some I had some reser not reservations, but I, I, I didn't. I did not think we would um, come along as far as we did, or we have come so far this year. Last year, I watched a lot of these guys when they were younger, and it, it, it is a totally different thing once they get into the into the varsity realm, right? And they've mm -hmm. and they're surrounded. We still have, a, you know, at least a little, a couple guys that have been. Um, that have been on the team for for a little while, even though they might be juniors or even, you know, Gallo's a sophomore, but he's you know he's he's already experienced a year, so they know what to expect in the league. They know what to expect. I think a big expectation that they got to learn is what what we do as a group, and um, the, they've come along really really well. We got some guys playing, uh, and you and and to your point, I do try to to have every year try to get some young guys and get them action. We carry a bigger roster. We play in tournaments. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things that, that we're struggling that, that I think is a struggle for this year because of of the COVID thing is, you know, we were we would have played in four tournaments and scrimmaged. That's that's twenty twenty five games depending on how you do sometimes, mm -hmm. and and we, and all of them have been canceled. And I'll give our guys a lot of credit. They've they've worked hard. They've listened. We've gone through some different times. Shut down. We're back. Shut down. We're back. And um, I, I really thought we were the, the Erie prep game was right before the, the shutdown before Christmas. Mm -hmm. I, I, that that particular game, I saw the kids were really starting to grasp what we were what we were telling them as far as how we you know make up of different things we were doing. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, we took two weeks off. We did some we did some Zoom workouts, and, and we've been using Zoom to, to talk to them as group. Mm -hmm. um, and 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 they've to their credit, they've continued to grow. And if you look, we're getting a lot of we're get, you know we're obviously getting a lot of scoring from Connor and Trey. Mm -hmm. um, uh, AJ's uh, Austin's playing really well. Uh, Peterson, Irvin, but we're getting a lot of scoring across the board. Uh, we got a lot of kids that that that, that have been, that have at least have, have, have entered the score sheet, and we got some. We're getting we're getting we're getting contributions from everybody, which 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 is certainly a key. Yeah, I'm going through your roster right now, and I'm seeing you know everybody has has hit the score sheet on your for your team. Um, only a handful of players, I guess, the younger players that are being moved along slower are aren't on the score sheet but you know everybody's contributing right now and it's not just in the uh on five on five you're getting a lot of uh, power play pr yep. productivity too so um so you had touched on a point that i wanted to talk about a little bit and you about being a larger school 
and having the ability to have a pool of possible. I mean, you know, not everybody's playing. You know, that's one thing people don't recognize is you're a bigger school, but that doesn't mean everybody's playing hockey or everybody has that option or can. Um, yep. The Is it harder every year to make that cut, to decide, okay, who's a varsity player and a junior varsity player whenever you're having a large number come out for tryouts? It is in particular, and and you're right. We don't get a, the one thing I will say about uh, because of who we are or mm-hmm. the program that, that we try to, to go. We, you know, I'm not. I am not a guy. I have never been a guy that uh, if you're going to try out and play for our program or play for our team, I need. It, it's not going to be you come when you want, or if you're, and that's scared away some of our AAA guys. Mm-hmm. And there's, but there are some good kids that are in our district that are playing for the Pens Elite and those kind of teams. They've tended not to try, or they haven't tried out for us, or they've, or a, a kid like Gala who was playing Pens Elite stopped playing Pens Elite to play for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I don't, I am, I am very open. I, they can play on two teams, but if we're going to go do tournaments and things like that, they need to, you know, they need to be committing that. The, the playing for mm-hmm. for a lot of our stuff. I don't want you just to show up, you know, or if you you can't just come to practice when you want. And uh, we're I'm fortunate that I can do that because I'm in North Allegheny, is what mm-hmm. I would say. I don't get some of the. I may not get some of, of all the AAA guys in our in our district. But but the one thing with having that many kids in a suburb like ours, hockey's big out north, is that I'm. I would say our. Uh, median town, I guess, would be the word, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of a lot of schools will have, you know, a, a line or two, and then the, the, there'll be a drop. And uh, I'd like to think, you know, we got, you know, we we we're rostering twenty two guys, and uh, you know, we're gonna we're gonna try to dress eighteen skaters as long as nobody's hurt. And you know, uh, there's 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 certainly some differences between Connor Chi and somebody else, right? Mm-hmm. But but my my third line guys, even some of my, if I get them the right matchup, um, they're competing, mm-hmm. and 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 because we're we have a big roster, there there's a, practices are good, competition is good, and these kids they, they they improve, and you know every year on my roster, if I go through, you know last year Chris Hanlon was one of our better players, right, one of our senior captains. Yes. But he was a kid that never even played double A hockey. <laughs> Me, we had him when he was young. We moved him. We, got, we gave him the opportunity. He's a good athlete. Um, Matt Gentil on this year's team, you know, uh, he was lucky enough. We we needed somebody to call up when he was a freshman, I think. Mm-hmm. And he got called up, and he was. I mean, if you watched him, you were like, oh my god. But he went and he he like gutted it out. I mean, he he fought. He did all like the little things right, and now he's the captain of our hockey team, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and he's, and he's a contributor. He's, he, we we've had a lo- we've had quite a few success stories of kids like that, or guys that are on that teetering thing, right? Yeah. That you know, uh, you know, another one's Kyle Holmes. You know, he's a junior, big kid, big defenseman for us. You know, uh, we we put him out against a lot of the tougher kids. Last year, he was the eighth defenseman we picked for our team after tryouts yeah, and through practice and getting some time and doing by the end of the year. I mean, he was like the fifth guy. And now, you know, I got this kid who's what six, three on the back end, <laughs> big and lanky. Right. Yeah. And, 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 and a lot of that was, was just him progressing and him getting to practice with those guys all the time. And then finally getting some time. So, uh, and he's a good athlete, right? So, if you can, if you can get the good if you can get good athletes and you give them you put them in the right situation you'll see that the, you know it doesn't work every time but yeah. but but we've had quite a few success stories which I think which I think has been a big part of our success it's just not that you know do we cut kids every year mm-hmm. yeah we do we, we end up cutting some kids you know we we have we end up having um, you know a varsity and two JV teams mm-hmm. there have been years that we've had to cut you know as many as 10 kids. And, and, and we, uh, you know, for better or for worse, we have a philosophy that if you're not going to, you know, once you get to be older, if you're not going to make the varsity or if you can't contribute at the varsity level, we're going to go with the younger guys. Mm-hmm. And that, and that's, and that's sometimes, 
has been where you get us where we get older kids that, that we've been in our organization or kids that we know we like, but you know we, we unfortunately have to let them cut them loose. So you know uh, all, all that competition and all that thing. Competition's a great thing, right? Oh yeah, it, it's it's helped it, it has helped us greatly, and um, you know uh, I'd I'd lo- I think we do a lot of things besides just the hockey world. My philosophy has always been. You know, sports is a vehicle to help teach kids. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes, you know, if, if you can if you can show them what, what I don't think a lot of people understand, if you can show them what you're talking about, working together, respecting your team, respecting the game you played, all that kind of stuff. If you do those kind of things and the kids like each other and they become like their own little family, for lack of better words, you'll be secure. You, the winning a lot of times takes care of itself because they they're they're all in it they're all in, right? Absolutely. It's all about it's a it's about the group. It's not about like one individual. And I and I think I think that 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 that, that kind of uh, philosophy has really helped us through the years. Besides the fact that we have a lot of kids to pick from. Oh yeah, and you you see that, and I'll I'll point to that when you're saying these older kids that are coming across. Point in case was Tyler Boyles last year. Yeah, I was there for his first game, and he, I believe he shut out Pine, uh, either Peters Township or Cannon McMillan. I can't remember which game I was covering, but uh, down at Princecape, and we're you know, there's this kid, this senior. We're gonna try start a new goaltender, and I think I talked to you in the pregame, and you were like, "Yeah, just keep an eye on him." And yep. he did exactly what you're saying, and then he went on to have the season that he had last year. So, and and you know, Brian, that's the beautiful thing about. I mean. I, I feel sorry for the kids that don't actually get to experience high school hockey. Mm-hmm. I get the whole thing of where, you know, uh, you wouldn't know it from, from looking at me. Right. Cause I'm 58 years old and a <laughs> fat bald guy. Right. Oh, come on. Or a, I'm a heavy set bald guy. Husky, husky. Well, they used to it say it helps husky. you out. It helps you because I remember mm-hmm. when I would broadcast but, and I would uh, see you get angry. It, it actually helps yeah. out a little bit. <laughs> Thanks. But <laughs> I, but I was one of those guys, you know, I, I, I was one of, I was one of the, the first generation of hockey players from this area mm-hmm. that was able to play and ended up playing college, playing pretty good college hockey. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and, and I get the amateur and the high school thing, mm-hmm. but I would not, I tell, I tell parents this, I tell kids this, um, I have been a very, I'm a very fortunate guy and I've got the win at all kinds of levels and amateurs and college and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I would not trade. There is, there is, there, there is just nothing. Even as a coach, there is nothing like winning a high school championship. There's nothing like it. I, I remember when I was a kid, like yesterday, mm-hmm. um, that, um, that the, uh, in 76, when I was a freshman at North Catholic and we won, uh, I'll never forget at the Civic Arena, I mean, the just how excited and how much I loved that hockey game. I'm I'm I'm, I'm good friends with a couple of those guys to this day, um, and uh, and and I say that even about our, you know, when you look at our, if I look at my kids and you, like kids that have played for us in the past, and mm-hmm. you ask them what was the best, you know, the best times of their life, you know, it was winning a Penns Cup championship or being in the. Being in the final of a Penn's Cup, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I mean, uh, the, the, and and a lot of those kids come. You know, I got, I'm, I'm lucky now. You, you see, it on my bench, I got Dawson Richard back. Is 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 come back in town and mm-hmm. was our captain a couple years ago. Now he's coaching. He 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 gets all that. He knows what what, it, what it's like. And now he's giving back to the game. Mm-hmm. Andrew Cease, you know, he was part of the. I mean, that we all get that. It's just a great great thing for these kids. And um, we're gonna, and that's why you see me smiling at the rink. Oh yeah, because <laughs> you're right. You're, I do enjoy. I really enjoy. I do enjoy it more it, than it, you know. It's just not another day for you. You're out there every day like it's new, and it's it's always awesome. You know, to come in, say hello, and you know, just a welcome for you know, just to be able to come out and watch uh, a little bit of hockey here and there. So hopefully, we can get back to the days of coming out and watching a watching a hockey game. <laughs> God, I hope so. Yeah, we don't have our I'm delays really, like we did last week. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm really, uh, I'm really hoping that that, uh, that we're all, that we're going to be, we got some things going here with this vaccine and everything, and the, our world's going to get better. All right. Well, Mike, I want to thank you for coming on. This has been a pleasure, an absolute pleasure, to be able to talk hockey with you. Um, 
I might have to split this up over two shows. I'm not 100% sure, but uh, once again, thank you so much for coming on with me today. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, that was Mike Bagnato, the head coach of the North Allegheny Tigers. I'm Brian Mitchell. This is the PhD Podcast. Electrifying stuff there from Coach Bagnato. Of course, thank him for coming on the show today. Always a pleasure to talk to our coaches. Uh, Bagnato's always got a smile on his face at the rink unless I'm seeing him yell at a referee. So (laughs) it's always a fun time for all that. Uh, I got to move to close this show. We're running over time, but I'm okay with it. Whatever. I make the rolls. Thank you to Bill Krause for coming on, the head coach of the Thomas Jefferson Jaguars, to Mike Bagnato, the head coach of the North Allegheny Tigers, to Gary Heeman for coming on and talking Robert Morris men's hockey and Atlantic hockey in general about what's going on with the tournament. I want to thank everybody out there for listening to the show. You guys make this happen. All the people that have reached out to thank me and tell me that they understand why I'm not out that often. You don't know what that means to me because it sucks to not be able to say, hey, I'm going to be out three days a week and then do two college games on a weekend and not going on. Hey, you know what? I'm making sure that I'm doing my best and my part to take care of everybody else out there. Just a heads up, I got the clearances. Well, so far working on the clearances, but so far have gotten updates on Chatham, who are going to start their season in a couple weeks. So I've got some interesting Chatham Cougars conversation coming up in the next couple weeks. Uh, We'll continue to move along with the high school programs here. I am Brian Mitchell. This is the Pittsburgh Hockey Digest podcast. I will see you, hopefully, in the rink. Stay safe, guys.